time to take a deep breath, a little deeper, and settle in with your host, Genesee, starting right now on the Wellness Hour on Karma Radio. Good morning and happy Friday, everybody. It is your host, Genesee, and I welcome you to our 25th episode of Karma Radio's Wellness Hour. So I'm giving myself a round of applause. Yay! Hey, you're the private special guest. No noises yet. <laughs> so in studio with me, I have and um, I have a curriculum. Is it Vital? Vitale? <laughs> curriculum. <laughs> curriculum Vital, I think, for this special guest that is in studio with me. But I'm going to see if I can just ad lib and, and put you into a a beautiful kind of uh, uh, encapsulated I don't know I want to I want to try and see if I can just give this to the people out there that are that are waiting for you to understand who you are okay so the person in studio with me uh, graduated from UCSD I'm not going to say the year because in honesty, I don't know what year. Uh, and for those of you who didn't grow up in Southern California, that's the University of San Diego. No, sorry. Don't say it. University of California at San Diego. It, that makes a difference. It, was that the one on Genesee Street uh, exit? It was it's right close. there. Hey, quiet. I get head nods. Yes and no here. So, uh, I mean, back then it was basically Dustin and meant to be that we'd be sitting here right now. Because this person studied right off of Genesee Street and learned everything, started to create create his passion for life around being so close to Genesee. So let's just go in another level deeper here. This person is, uh, I'll, I'll give it, you are, has the doctor in front of his last name. He is a doctor, which means he has gotten to the top of his educational level as far as he can go in uh, in education. Basically, he's an educator here in Ohio and moved in 2007 from California to Ohio to follow that beautiful Genesee <laughs> that he was so attracted to and start a life here. This is my husband, Dr. Jonathan Roy, in studio with us. Welcome. You can talk now. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's fun to be here. I've, I've seen this a lot, and I've heard it a lot, obviously, but to be here is, uh, is pretty exciting. It's quite unique, right? You Very get, much so. You get to partake in your wife, your, the love of your life. You get to partake in your wife's creative endeavors, right? It's true. But to, to do set this record straight, to be fair, you did take the dog with you when you came to Ohio. So Wait, what I did to, I uh, what did I say that, that I followed you, but you took the dog too, so I had to You, know, you had make to sure save Chongo the dog. Was okay. Okay, saving the dog. Got it. Check. <laughs> so you didn't just come for me, you came for the dog. <laughs> you were a side bonus. Who actually is at home listening because we are streaming this live on the laptop so that the dog I'm sure he's paying close attention to what we're saying. <laughs> Very close, very close attention through ear infection and all. All right, he is a cocker spaniel. What are you going to do? So I'd like to introduce Dr. Jonathan Roy. He is a public educator here in Ohio, and this is what he, he I think, uh, growing up, as far as I know, you jump in anytime and correct me, but it was either um, lawyer, or do I say attorney? Did lawyer he, is probably okay. Lawyer, uh, cop, or 
educator. Yep. So he was always going to be fighting the good fight for the state on some level. On one level or another or another and uh, we won't go in depth about about each of those and what led them well we will about what led you to um, education but uh, when I met you you were teaching in Southern California yep. at Tustin High School yes yeah teaching and coaching water polo teaching and coaching water polo and also something you did per- partook in at uh, UCSD yep you did, did water polo. Did play water polo at UCSD. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so this created kind of the background of who you are. So tell us a little bit about what you do in education, what you got your doctorate in, because I can never remember that 12-word whatever you <laughs> talk, whatever you wrote that paper on. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I grew up in Southern California and went to school there and then, you know, had the fortune of meeting my my lovely wife here genesee um, just in case you guys aren't tracking that's genesee and uh yeah so we decided to move to ohio and we were very excited about that we've loved every moment since then and i um yeah i I gravitate towards education because i just like working with people i like working with um, young people with young people people (laughs) in general because i work with teachers and other educators as well so um it's it's but you, know, you have always people, had a passion for the children. Yeah, I do enjoy teaching and coaching and, and interacting with them on that level because you just have such an impact. And, and with teaching, it's important to understand, too, is there's a delayed gratification component to it because you don't really see the fruits of your labor right away. It's something that even the kids will come back five years later, seven years later and say, I didn't understand this when you were telling it to me. Um, but then now it makes sense. And now I, I really am grateful for the things that you said. Which I mean, which we just had an experience with. We were just invited to one of your yeah. kids' weddings. And um, and he ended up coaching with you after graduating. He did. And then he came up to me. So we were at a friend's wedding. And this was a, a person that I had coached when I first moved to Ohio. And he came back and, and you know, was just kind of pulled me aside and said, hey, I just want to let you know that you had a really profound impact on my life. And I got into teaching because of you. And he currently teaches with special ed kids. And he's just a great guy. And so it was, it was again, one of those rewarding moments that, you know, you don't really get all the time. So yeah. it was it was nice. You know, and you hope that you're influencing and making an impact but when it actually comes to fruition in your reality that you get that validation you always say all the time it's nice you had to have that validation of what you know and you kind of know inside that you're making a difference but it's nice to hear it and so would you say that's a majority the reason why (laughs) educators get into education or is it because the summers they have off (laughs) or is it both (laughs) i I think that's a that's a bonus that's a a recharge period that i think a lot of teachers need so um it definitely doesn't hurt to have uh, that time off but again teachers also working a lot during the summer as well getting you know more education and going to workshops and you know, I go to different workshops and I'm doing, you know, taking classes and stuff like that. So here's um, something cool you guys need to know about Dr. Roy is he just recently part of his career path is uh, moving into, uh, well, we'll see, but um, consulting and doing things for the AP board. And if you don't know about AP testing, if you don't have kids <laughs> that are in high school yet, it's an advanced placement, yep. right? So and for, it gives through them, the college board, the mm-hmm. organization that runs the SAT and the ACT and they do the AP classes and stuff like that. So I do some consulting work with them and I'm an AP reader and grader. And Tell, just um, give a quick sentence because it's crazy what you guys have to so do we, during the summer. We're the ones who go uh, after all the AP tests are taken. So for U.S. history, which is my primary one that I uh, 
teach, we have to grade half a million tests from all over the world. So we all travel. So about 1,200 teachers travel down to Florida is where it's been the last couple of years. 1,200 just for 1,200 teachers just for history. One, and they do this and all over for all the different yeah, classes. Yeah, so all the easy. classes that we offer. And so then you're one slice of this one, high school one pie. small piece of the pie. Though <laughs> um, we are, I think, the second largest test given by the College Board um, outside the ACT and SAT. And we sit in a, a big uh, conference center, um, Tampa Bay Convention Center, and we sit there and we read essays from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. for seven days straight. So yeah. this is this is how the the sausage is made behind the scenes there. Gross, by yeah, the way. Sorry. That's a really gross <laughs> visual for a lot of people. <laughs> and so it's mind-boggling where he loves it the yeah, first three yeah. days and then the last two days of grading, his eyeballs are yeah, falling out. It does start to wear on you, that's for sure. Detached retina syndrome starts to happen. I don't think that's a real thing. Uh, they claim it in football all the time. Detached retina? I don't think it's a syndrome, though. It's an oh, actual... Like, an actual it's an physical... actual affliction where, yeah, you right, actually have act- a physically detached retina. I'm sure energetically it imprints on the emotional level. <laughs> okay, let's go with that. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so really interesting. So, for our audience, and one of the things that, um, as I would not tell you what we were going to talk about today, he's a very good... A very good sport here on so many levels. Um, so uh, last night it started happening where he started questioning me, asking, well, what are we going to talk about tomorrow? Being somebody who likes to be prepared. I do like to prepare. And, uh, of course, with his doctor uh, doctor label. I don't There's a better word for that. Your doctor... Uh, what label sure. I can call you la- okay yeah. the the doctor lettering before your name um he does like to know his stuff right he he likes to be at the top of his game and so when he was asking me last night what we were going to talk about I said good luck <laughs> <laughs> and even if we plan it's going to just rabbit hole into yeah, multiple rails anyways so. yeah frac- fractal dimensional kind of uh, journeys we're going to be taking today so over the last two weeks uh, with the Karma listening audience on the Wellness Hour here. Uh, we've been talking about what's been shifting and transitioning, and you have listened many times, so you know you know the levels, and you know me. <laughs> so you know what we talk about. At home, we talk about much more <laughs> in-depth all of this than, uh, than even the Karma listeners get. And so So what I wanted to kind of probe further into, because it's energy that's kind of surrounding everybody right now, is this dance of relationships. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) and so everything energetically has been aligning for this November um, shift that everybody worldwide is going to be kind of stepping into. And like we always talk about, um, it it depends on where you are on the mountaintop as far as where you're going to get affected. Right. So if if you're in the, the seeking aspect of consciousness, then you are going to want to see from that perspective. So everything that comes into my reality, I see it through the, the lens of being more conscious, right? Yeah, your perspective is everything to you. Yes. Your perception is your reality. Be- 
Beautiful. Exactly. And so if, if I'm at the, and I hate saying this because we'll get into this in a minute, but if you're at the bottom of the mountain in seeking more of who you are authentically and who you are in relationship to the world and what you offer to the world, um, then your perspective is going to be a very singular, self-serving, ooh, and I'm already into Maslow's triangle. Ooh, <laughs> we're already there. And so, uh, sorry, sidebar for the two people in studio right now. Sure, we'll get there. We'll get there. And so, um, you know, if if you're not somebody whose first level of needs are met, what is the first level of Maslow's triangle? That's basic survival needs. Survival so needs. food, water. So if you know. you're... Prime, Things uh, that keep you alive. Yeah. So if your survival needs are not met in this human world, um, you're not at the top of the triangle able to basically be seeking out this spiritual understanding of who you are and why you're here and what your purpose is. If your basic survival needs yeah. aren't met. Yeah. So again, the idea is that you, you have a hard time moving up the triangle if your basic needs aren't met. You can't... Triangle equaling mountain here, Yeah. Guys. So this is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And if you, you know, if you're, if you're worried about where you're next meal is coming from you're not worried about making friends so the idea Second is, level is yeah friends. so it's it, you know self-esteem needs love needs as you you start to move up this triangle towards you know a self-transcendence self-actualization position and it's very hard to get there if the lower level if you're not building on your triangle is is the basic theory of psychology that they're talking about yeah so if one if you can't meet the needs of one plateau you can never get to that next uh what do they call it in just next level of yeah understanding or next level of yeah, there's so. a mount, a mountain word, a mountain <laughs> climber's word for this. What is it when you get to that uh, where it's uh, a, like a lookout? You know what? I yeah, can feel into it, but your, it's totally... It'll pop into our head in yeah, about six minutes. Exactly. So um, Plateau? The plateau, sure. Let's go with that. Might, might be. So uh, basically what this is saying, and, and uh, Dr. Roy teaches uh, AP psychology. <laughs> and so this is where we get to have a lot of fun in our home life because I come from a very metaphysical, spiritual uh, base. And and Dr. Roy has a very left brain, cognitive approach to it. And, um, and throughout our journey together, which is what I wanted to tap into, okay. throughout our journey together, uh, we have gotten to grow and um, and meet our own needs as we've scaled that that mountain. <laughs> I think I think we're kind of like a, a Venn diagram. <laughs> Are you familiar with what a Venn diagram is? I am. Yes. So, but so maybe our Venn diagram. Yeah, so, so think of two circles. Bit. So two circles, and there's an overlapping middle part. Here's, and I here's think the when yin we, and yang for Papa. I, I think when we we first got together, our <laughs> our overlapping circles didn't overlap that much. And I think it was basic human human <laughs> human instinct is what got us together. <laughs> the free drinks you got at the bar I was with working at. Free drinks. We were a, car, a couple that met at a bar. Um, so I think that over time, like with any any couple that spends enough time together, your circles begin to overlap more and more. So that Venn diagram starts to merge together more and more. Now we still have our individual components to us, but I think the, the overlapping circles have gotten bigger, which is a good thing. It's a great thing. Yes. Yes. And so back to the beginning of this. So right now in energetic terms, what a lot of people are shifting into, and again, this all depends on your level of perspective, where you're choosing to view from right now. Again, if your basic survival needs are not met, if you're wondering where your next paycheck is going to go, how you're going to support and feed your family, you're not somebody who is able at that human functioning level to be be sitting and spending time questioning your purpose in life and how you can fulfill 
not only yourself, but all the people that surround you, right? Uh, at a, at that His spiritual kind of, needs are kind of exactly. get put, pushed to the side as you're worrying about your human basic needs. And, and feeding sure. your child or something. Yeah. And so, so depending on where you are in life, it is going to dictate how you are understanding right now what we've talked about over the past two weeks, which is this astrology concept that's been coming through that we are going through as humanity, this huge shift. And, and how you're going to feel that shift is going to be determined by where you are in your perspective, where you're standing on the mountain. So here, this huge shift is all about um, actually stepping into playing this game of life more fully. So I guess the question then becomes, oh, how do you, how do you help people who, who maybe they can't change that part of their life? Well, they are, they're always going to worry about where their next paycheck comes from. They're always going to worry about feeding their children. That's just a part of their life. It's who those people still try to move up that triangle like we were talking about, even though those other things aren't ever going to really change. Like, I think that's the really important question that we have to try to help people to figure out. Yeah. So So you got, you got an answer on that one? Well, I mean, I can, but that would take (laughs) probably the next three hours. I can give you my, I can down into a 30 second answer. Okay. So, (laughs) well, so the interesting thing that I immediately get pulled to is this crisis moment. So, um, working with Dr. Tatiana Irving, I'm, uh, I learned about her story and she was at this basic survival instinct. She was escaping a very horrible relationship that was, um, I believe it was abusive on some level and she had children and she ended up having to live in a car and, and, um, and survive. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and how, how do you do this? This is so many people's story out there. We get triggered in what in spiritual terms, I would call the crisis moment, the dark night of the soul. And, um, anybody who is standing at the top of the mountain can reflect and look back at what that crisis moment was for them. So how do people handle that crisis moment? Like when, when that comes? Well, so this is it. So are you living the story? And this is the hard part because those who aren't seeking aren't, aren't, open to kind of getting, I feel like it's this drowning, um, component of reality, right? Where when you're trying, and we'll go to a water polo analogy for you when you're just trying to tread water and keep your head afloat, all you're trying to do is tread water. There's no, nothing outside of what you can grasp and right. That that is going to save you, right? Unless Mm. like a life raft is thrown to you and you actually have something to hold on to. And that for, I think, and I might be wrong here, but I'm trying to reflect back on Tatiana's story. And for her, I think she was given a book Mm -hmm. by somebody that basically gave her the, the one, that life raft, that one pearl of wisdom that felt so connected to her authentic truth inside that she felt she could get through it. And so she started doing severe intention setting that got her out of that dark space. And so, and it's, and it's very easy in self-reflective moments to say, this is where I was and this is what helped me. But once you're in it and, and the thing is, it's a pattern. It's, it's a willingness to change a situation. And this is what metaphysical people call this unconscious right because we all know there's no such thing as unconscious <laughs> we're all conscious or we would be flatlined somewhere in a hospital right but using these terms conscious and unconscious this is what happens when you're basically just running the hamster wheel of life and only accepting the physical reality that surrounds you that's all there's no life raft to grab onto so let's yeah i think that's back. an important part that you just said is the you use the word accepting and the idea of accepting a situation is easy 
at times for some people because change is hard, change is difficult, change is scary. And it takes a lot of understanding of your own situation and self-recognition of in that moment of saying, yeah, you know what, I'm always going to worry about money. I'm always going to worry about these things, yet I can still do something else. You know, this situation doesn't define who I am. Mm -hmm. I can be in this situation where I I am worried about this stuff, but yet I still feel the pull to improve. And Mm -hmm. and once you start to kind of go down that road and you start to do those things, then it becomes a little bit easier. And then maybe there is some moment where you grab onto somebody or something like a book, like a like that you know there is some pivotal moment where mm-hmm. you're going to say hey look i need to do something a little bit different about this I'm, i can't completely change my physical life but i can alter my spiritual life and and doing that i think is is hard for some people but once they do find some avenue to do that then i think it does become a little bit easier for them yeah so what i'm hearing from you correct me if i'm wrong because i'm going to put this into like three words but it's it's the the change component and it's like unless you're willing to change your circumstances. Sure. Change only occurs with willing acceptance. Like you have to buy into it. If there's no buy-in, then change is irrelevant. It doesn't matter because you're not going to change. So, and, and this was something that I wrote a lot about, you know, when I was doing a lot of my research and stuff is understanding why teachers refuse to change. And a lot of it is autonomy in our world. You know, like we believe our classroom is our world. And who are you to come in and tell me that I should do Wait, something stop, different? Stop, because this is, don't stop. Okay. He's looking at his phone right now. Flip your phone upside down. My papa, stop texting. You are distracting. <laughs> you are so distracting right now. I will monitor the papa text. Okay. Uh, okay. okay. So you just nail on head hit something that we can use in every aspect of of civilization here uh, the autonomy of my te- my classroom i am the teacher this is yeah, my you world cut me off. i was about to make that point but oh ahead, you, you make oh, it now. oh sorry steal my point no go for it <laughs> let's see that uh, autonomy like for teachers autonomy is the classroom but i think as individuals we have autonomy over some component of our life and that's where I think people really want to hang on to that. And if, if that can be respected and that can be kind of grown and fostered, then I think that you're going to, people are more willing. I'm to not change. understanding how you explain that. So, because you say, is that what you were going to say? No, no. Well, yeah, I mean, okay. I was going to make that point too, but you're saying, um, if you kept using that, so can you give me like an explanation if they can master that? So everybody has some autonomy or control over some, everybody's the king of their own domain right yeah so, so figuring out what that is yeah i think what it's you're the relinquishing of. of that the really of, of, of freedom of the, the you know accepting of the unknown you know accepting that fear and understanding that hey, i don't know what's around the corner i don't know what's going to happen if i go down this hole i don't know what's going to happen if i give myself over to you know trust complete to, blind yeah, trust that i can like that. be better than whatever my situation yeah, or is. you know again just not understanding what's next that's very scary for some people especially if you're already in a situation that's scary and you're already kind of you know to use a you know, some sort of little bad analogy here. You're already on thin ice with life. You know, you kind of already, you know, at a very precarious situation. I'm going right situation. to like a wife that's being abused, physically abused. It's the devil, you know, with kids, right? I rather take the next punch. It's like the devil, you know. This is, this is a huge, what you're yeah, giving me eyeballs. Well, because that's just, that's a really extreme example that, you know, but yeah. It's, well, yeah, there but I'm is, thinking, I'm trying to go back to that crisis moment, the person who's trying to just live and I'm going back to the step one on Maslow's triangle. Like if you are not able to feel secure and safe in your sure. environment, which to me is it's drugs, it's, it's abuse, it's, you well, whatever know, it is, it's, it's, you know, needs, one person's so. 
you know, one person's abuse is another person's drug abuse is, and one person's another person's alcoholism is another person's Yeah, it's how we're controlling. Yeah, it's the it's, thing that's keeping us inside yeah. of a pattern that so, but in, we're not changing. And I think the point you're trying to make is the devil you know is, like, I, I don't know what's next around me. Like, this is what I know. I, I can live through this, and I know that. But if I were to... Um, you know, accept the fact that I'm alcoholic, accept the fact that I'm a drug abuser, accept the fact that I'm in an abusive relationship. Like, okay, well, what's next? I don't know. And the I don't know is what really scares people. And that's what a lot of people resist change because they don't know. And they're, they're scared to go down that road because as human beings, we inherently like to know what's going on. We inherently like to know what's next in, in, in order to give that over is very hard for a lot of people. And a lot of times people don't know what to do. And that, that's another thing, too. And I think this is why one of the things that you're doing and you've worked on a lot is, is really good is that trying to give people some direction and uh, a person that they can turn to and say, hey, how does this happen or what's the next step in this? And you can kind of give some advice. And I know you hate telling people what to do or what this is what you should do. You kind of just try to guide them as best they can so they can find their own path. You know, but sometimes people just need a little encouragement. They just need to be, you know, shoved out of the nest a little bit. It's yeah, jumped out of the nest. It's the valid. It's the validation. So at the next level in Maslow's triangle is friendship. So once you have basic needs and survival needs met, or vice versa, in our context of what we're talking about, it is if you choose to not accept the pattern you're in, which is the crisis moment, and say, okay, I'm ready to, I'm ready to make a change, even though I have no clue what it is. So the next level of Maslow's triangle is. Yes, yeah, so you start to get into friendship needs, self-esteem needs, love needs, things like that. This is, and so that's where the um, the point is. That's the validation factor. Is yeah, if you're is, willing to step out of a pattern, the next level you get tested with. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I think at this point in time, it's very hard to do this alone. Like you have to have support from yeah. somebody, some person, something. It, it's very difficult. Human beings were generally social people. We we no, want we to are. Be, it's. Yeah, we, we need to have some sort condition. of human interaction. We have to have some either, you know, spiritual connection, physical connection, mental connection, whatever it is. So in order to do this it completely independently by yourself, it, it's really difficult to do for for pretty much anybody to go through this alone. So To go through what? To go through any sort of transformation and, and altering life change mm-hmm. that you're really trying to make, any sort of monumental change in your life where you're making some recognition. Like you said, after that crisis moment, you know, you're saying, okay, I need to change this. Mm-hmm. It's tough to do that by yourself. You, you need some support, love, validation, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. I think everybody needs a little bit of, of that. And so interesting because in this new energy and what we've been talking about for the two past two weeks, um, stepping into this November as serious joy, um, Christopher puts it, this Game of Thrones that we're all going to kind of get thrown into. Um, and I know you don't have a reference for that, but just think med- medieval times. Everybody <laughs> okay. wanting their, their, oh, risk, the game risk. <laughs> right? we now we're talking. Now we're talking. Um, and so in this, uh, in this energy shift, we're all going to get triggered. Wherever you are on the mountain, whatever crisis moment you're in, if it's you're at the bottom of the mountain and it's saying, hey, I'm going to pull the rug out from under you yet again and see if you actually take charge of releasing these old paradigms, these old patterns and start to open up to there could be something greater than than what you're currently experiencing or for the person standing on the top of the mountain who has been through their self-actualizing um you know, seeking internally seeking, who am I? What am I? What's my purpose? Um, same thing, but it's all right now being triggered through our relationships and in energetic terms, this is all a reflection kind of mentality. 
everything that's surrounding you is a reflection of everything that's internally going through you. Mirror. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And so in this, really interesting because one of the things that a lot of uh, people who are seeking their next level um, of growth, um, one of the things that we hear a lot in metaphysical terms is the relationships and specifically our one-on-one partnered relationships. And so this becomes a point of contention where people say, you know, if I change so drastically, what's going to happen? And that fear of my partner not accepting me or losing a partner, or I no longer resonate with that partner because they haven't also shifted. And we went through this. And so that's kind of what I'm starting the camera. That's kind of one of the things I wanted to um, bring up because I think so many people question and there's no, well, there's two answers when you shift yourself and completely change who you are and how you perceive this world. Um, you either choose to stay in relationships or you choose and you choose to stay and grow together in relationships or you choose to basically pack your bags and leave. And so this is this is what happens. And I think this is a big component. And we're talking partnership because I have my husband here in the studio with me. But this also translates to a boss and a coworker. You know, if I shift myself completely in how I think, I might leave my job. If I, with friends, if I, if I change how I interact and what my expectations over people are, still being snobby and gossipy and whatever and not aligning to this new energy I want to align to, I'm going to lose friends. And how is that going to affect everything? And so this is, to me, a big reason. And if in Maslow's Triangle, if when we kind of move through our own crisis moment in those first level survival needs, and we now get into this friendship category and have to start to figure out who am I and then how do I connect to people in the world? It's a really scary... Yeah, and I think that's the root of all of these things is fear. It's, it's the fear of, can I do this? It's the fear of, what am I going to do when this happens? And the fear of, how are people going to react to me when this happens? And I think that's something that really hinders a lot of people from taking this journey because they don't know what to do. And it is something that you kind of just touched on that you and I went through this. And it was not always easy. And there was disagreements and there was... Um, you know, just kind of in our own relationship that we had to work through and different things that I had to accept about you and you had to accept about me. And The Venn yeah. diagram before, before <laughs> yeah. the white circle and the black circle came together and made yeah. a rainbow circle. <laughs> I don't think that's how color works, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's something that is, is really hard and you've, you've kind of expressed this. Is you've had I've written books on this, guys. Who've gone through <laughs> this and, and, and relationships have ended. Um, because, and I've said this to you before, it's extremely difficult to be the one who's not necessarily changing. And I've said this to you a lot is that you are not the same person that I married. Yeah. So this is what I wanted. This this is what I wanted you to tell people. Well, because I feel like anybody who's stuck with me through 25 episodes (laughs) (laughs) is probably the person who is the spiritual seeker trying to, uh, have validation over what they're going through and all the changes they're making to shift themselves into a better version. I shouldn't say that. That's so wrong. Not a better version of yourself, but a more aligned, you feel like you're here living your purpose Mm. instead of Mm. uh, just being a part of something that doesn't feel purposeful. And so the reason why I wanted, or one of the things I wanted you to talk about, especially with the history of the show now is, you know, making the changes I had to, at some level within myself, as I was making these drastic changes, I had to say, I'm okay 
staying with my husband or I'm okay leaving. I had to be okay with both of those things because I was so drastically shifting into something different than you had married. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We met in a bar, guys. (laughs) Let's just start there. We met in a bar. So, And I think what people have to understand too is that different isn't always bad. Like different doesn't mean (laughs) negative. So, and that was something that I had to go through as well, saying, yes, she is changing. She's a different person. She's not exactly the same person that I, you know, fell in love with. It doesn't mean that I can't love her as much or more now and love this new person. And so I think that's hard for a lot of people because again, change is difficult in any avenue of life and especially on something as meaningful as a marriage relationship. And this is why some people can't go through that. Well, in using the mirror technique. So if I'm shifting so drastically, it also has to make you take a deep look at yourself scary and for the other person as well. So, cause it's always an individualized path, even though what we learn is through the eyes of another, yeah. it's always about the self here. And so even cause everything you just said was, I had to decide this based off of how sure. she was changing, sure. which yes, but on a spiritual level, that meant you were choosing also to partner with me. <laughs> And stay with me during those drastic chameleon yeah. style changes. And I think too, though, you had to go through a period of learning where you said, hey, I'm going, because I think we had this conversation multiple times where I said, it's great that you're going through this change. Don't project that onto me, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, and that was something that I think you took you a while to kind of understand as well, because you were like, hey, I'm doing these changes. Why aren't you changing? And then I could tell that you were getting frustrated with me at a lot of times um, through choices that I was making that you didn't agree with or whatever it was. Yeah, so specifically... Let's break so, this down and give a con- contextual clue here to what was. No, what? Oh, uh, so so, <laughs> so what? What happened here for us was this um, this constant constant state of I was shifting myself and like going into meditation or taking spiritual trips, and I really wanted my partner. To to be in that energy and mode and connect with me in that same way. And, um, and, and when I, I would then attach to an expectation I had over him and how he could be in that same, I'd say vibration, right. Where we were resonating, we were in the same energy together and, and I would extend that. I'd like go fishing. I'd like cast that line out, hoping that, that he'd bite and he wouldn't. And I'd have so many internal expectations going on over the second level of Maslow's triangle, how my relationships outside of myself would then be aligned to me because I was shifting. So why wouldn't they shift? And so this, I think, is the biggest component of this, of of working together as a Venn diagram that starts as two circles that overlap a little bit and then want to be complete. Yeah, and I think any, in, over the course of a relationship as it evolves, that Venn diagram is going to overlap a lot more at certain times and it's going to kind of fall apart at other times. So I think the the goal of any relationship is to kind of make sure that your circles are always touching <laughs> on some level. You they know? say that at night, if you, if you go to sleep and your a, a part of your body isn't touching, that it's a bad sign. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so I, that's where, <laughs> by the way, we don't touch anymore. <laughs> Not a bad sign. I just said that. <laughs> it's because you work too late. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Anyways, um, sidebar. forgot where I was going. Oh, so, so the circles need to touch. Yeah, so the circles have to touch, and you have to find those moments where. But if they I don't overlap, want your circle so. to touch me, what if I don't want your circle to touch me? <laughs> Too bad. This <laughs> is the way it goes. Um, but you have to find some avenue to connect. You have to find some way to connect with your partner, and and I think that it has. You got. 
be okay with the idea that you're not maybe going to connect on everything. And this is something that I had to learn. Something we that both had Genesee to learn. had to learn. Yeah. Or I was going to get to you. Don't worry. Both. <laughs> um, that we, you know, both people have to learn that. She has to learn that she can't project that onto me. And it's okay if I don't change, you know, and then she has to learn and, or I have to accept the fact that she is going to change. And then you have to then make a decision of, and both people are involved in this decision. You know, she decides, is this person that's not changing somebody I want to stay with and can be with? And then I would have to decide or the person would decide that, yeah, let's, am hey, let's, I going to stay with this person who is changing dramatically and yeah. is not the same person? And that that's where I think it, it becomes very scary in intimate personal relationships like yeah. marriages. So Well, and it took a while. So here's the really interesting oh, it fact. On, it doesn't happen over the weekend. Well, yeah. And here's the interesting fact, because this started when I started writing my book in 2013, mm-hmm. 15, 13, 13. Woo. Um, in 2013, when I wrote my first book and was doing all of this deep dive self actualizing process that I was going through. Um, and poor thing, it didn't happen until week seven, um, which is crown chakra week because I did my own self-actualization process through each of the chakras week by week. And so when I got to crown chakra, it was finally this message of detached acceptance because everything I was shifting in myself, I looked at Johnny and I went, um, okay, well, he's like a reflection of the things I'm trying to shift and yet he's not shifting. And so I would constantly analyze myself. We'll get there. I was going to say, I represented the antithesis of what you wanted. Exactly. (laughs) So everything I was shifting, I, he was like the barometer of like the, the density that I was trying to shift past. And, but it was helping me to learn more about myself through him being himself and staying grounded in who he was, I could then really take a deep, deep dive at myself and go, whoa, this is changing. Whoa, this is changing. So my external reality was reflecting exactly how drastic. So do you think that a lot of going through this, do you think this is something that is, is not necessarily at the root of a bunch of issues and relationships, but it is a common thing that I think that people are going through. Like, yeah. Would you agree well, with that? Oh, yeah. And I I mean, you can see this in Hollywood so much that mm-hmm. two people come together because of their project projections mm-hmm. of of what they want to be viewed as. And mm-hmm. then as they get in a relationship, every projection and expectation of not only who you projected yourself to be, but then your expectation of a partner and what they mm-hmm. are, then you see where that Venn diagram isn't overlapping. And then that's when you have to start doing the self work and you every time you bounce something off the opposite in your life it comes back and goes whoa that was totally different whoa that was totally different so so i guess the so for for us in our relationship and in relation to your listeners right they they you would probably say the majority of your listeners are the ones that are changing they're the ones that are going through these metaphysical shifts and these spiritual alignments. They're butterflies. Okay. <laughs> so so what would be your advice to them <laughs> to to accept a partner maybe who's not changing or maybe not changing as quickly well, or not meeting those expectations? Yes. Like, thank you. So at level seven, when I was <laughs> writing this book and I got to week seven, the one thing that you hated that I would say that was the big aha moment for me in acceptance. Detached acceptance. Detached acceptance. Yeah. And I looked at you one day and, and through deep meditation, and connection to a my own higher guidance, I received this understanding that you have to have detached acceptance. And it took you a while to be in vibration with that because mm-hmm. you would hear that and you hear detached and you're going, wait a minute, like a relationship. Because again, I had battered him for six weeks. Like, how dare <laughs> you 
be this way. How dare you not want to yeah. support me in this? How dare you not want to meditate? Yeah. How dare you not? Blah, blah, blah. Right. Yes. And so <laughs> I'm making I'm I making agree. you look so good at it. <laughs> I was a beast. Uh, and so at level seven, I get this awareness that, oh, my gosh, I I have learned so much about myself and because I have shifted into more alignment with myself, I cannot expect it would be so wrong to rob somebody of their journey of connecting to their authentic self and being and living and expressing their authentic self, because that's exactly what I had just discovered about myself, that I had been living, being and expressing something that wasn't authentic to me because I was trying to whatever, reflect or project a certain who knows what. And so I had discovered my authenticity. And so every guidance I was getting was you have to have detached acceptance over another human's path. Like you cannot have any expectation over who they should be, what they should look like, what their path should entail. You have to detach completely from any expectation over who they should be because how are you like who you are you force you're authenticity not on somebody else. we're all our own god beings right we're all yeah. these these creator beings that get to decide who we want to be so how could i ever expect you to be something and i think what's important to understand too is if if you can't do that then the other partner is going to try like i, I i'm going to try to shift i'm going to try to change but i'm not doing it for my own internal benefit doing it to for an external benefit of pleasing my partner well so and that's just disingenuous to you yeah, as a whole now and you're the relationship projecting. as a whole and yeah. it just it just more and more conflict because there's nothing genuine about what the action yeah. is so the goal here is to find authenticity through both parties so that you can then draw that venn diagram and see so you're liking that analogy now aren't you i like the fact that i'm seeing the middle part as a rainbow <laughs> and the yin and the yang that are your father-in-law has black requested. and white makes rainbow black i mean in certain circles it does <laughs> okay. okay so so um with this whole like component because when we went through this it was really interesting as soon as i got that awareness at week seven <laughs> after i tried to change him and had expectations over him as i got the awareness that he's an individual because i had completed my journey first round there's three of these as i completed this first physical level journey um i then could look at him and go oh my gosh how beautiful that you oh, thank you <laughs> that you get to decide who you want to be how you want to express yourself and i every day get to make a choice to be a part of that or not be a part of that. And there's been days after that, 2013. <laughs> so you make that choice every day. <laughs> I sit <laughs> in my bedroom, in my robe, making that choice over morning coffee. I wow. sit with the pendulum and I'm like, is today the day? <laughs> Divine. Wow. I didn't realize I was teetering on the edge like that. Every for, day. For Remember that thin ice, thin ice analogy a used earlier? A little thinner. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> every day, baby. <laughs> But look at the beauty of that, too. Your glass is half empty right now, Dr. Roy. <laughs> glass is half full means every single day I choose to you be did. a better part of this relationship. <laughs> you stuck it out. <laughs> uh, I would, Papa, do the numbers. What's 2018 minus 2013 times the seconds of the day? I want to see how many seconds I've chosen to be a part of this. So the really interesting thing to me, though, as somebody who went through it, changing myself so drastically and then accepting that I can be a partner to this person who is not now reflecting 
me. He's staying authentic to him. I am being completely authentic to me, and we get to be our own individual individual selves. Yet, um, in that, uh, so I had completely released any expectation that you would ever take a, a Kripalu spiritual trip with me, that you would ever want to go watch the sunrise. I mean, who am I kidding? I'm not going to get up to watch the sunrise. <laughs> That's more you than me. That's but anyways, true. that we're going to try and do these like very ooey gooey what people would call twin flame activities where like I am your breath and you are my (laughs) breath and we can go like experience I released all expectation over you being that person and realized that it was better that we be these authentic representations of ourselves so I completely detached which is interesting and this happened in 2013 and there were little things like any good spiritual journey does there were little crisis moments that happened after that that showed me where I still did hold expectation there'd be little flares for me and probably little flares for Mm -hmm. him where I challenged him are you going to be able to stay authentic to yourself and Mm -hmm. what you need right now because I had expectations come up so there are little things that can continue to tweak that process but the really interesting thing to me is probably um it was i think it was at the beginning either at the last the, the, the end of last school year, year when, when we were on the screen and porch, porch do you remember this, this? Or, the or the beginning of this school year, year? And well, you, Tim and I do keep talking. It'll come to me in a second. Two years. Two years. It was maybe like we're sitting on our screen and porch having a very interesting talk. And, um, and one of the things that I realized being the person who really liked to dive deep into the spiritual realms in a conversation, and he liked to play the, uh, for lack of a better term, devil's advocate and, and try and get me to be very left brain with it and scientific about it. Um, I witnessed you having the most intense self-awareness moment where you were putting the pieces of the puzzle together Mm -hmm. in a very self-reflective, spiritual, metaphysical way and making these analysis over what the situation was that was happening around you. And you were using the terms that I had always used. You were having awarenesses that I had always used. But this is now five, five, thirteen, no, uh, like three or four years later that I had mm. completely detached from you and allowed you to just be your authentic self. And so what that meant was I was holding my my vibration, you were holding your vibration, and naturally over those three or four years, um, you had come into a level of, of resonance with wanting to kind of talk. Mm. I'm not saying mine's better, but I'm saying mine's better. <laughs> I stand higher on the mountain. <laughs> Be a butterfly. I'm just trying to get up there. <laughs> get to the next I'm summit. Oh, was summit the word? That's the word I was looking for. That's right. the mountain climber word. You said yeah. plateau. Summit. Okay. Getting to the next summit. And so I watched you on the porch and I it was like mind was blown. And I even told you, I was like, mm-hmm. oh my God, you're having a self-reflective <laughs> moment. And because in um now I'm gonna go to like in cycles and goddess speak in like different levels and journey. There's always three journeys for the human. Humans get born with full access to their first triad. And this is the physical, the emotional, the mental. We have full, complete access. Nobody's going to sit out there in karma radio land and, and critique this because everybody knows you have a mental field, you have an emotional field and you have a physical body. And so we're, we're born with access to all of these things, how good you're using them or how yeah. aware you are that they're operating to you, through you, with you, by you. Uh, you know, is depicts the level you're kind of operating at. But um, these are the three journeys of the human: is to clear and understand yourself more fully in each of these bodies, 
to understand your emo- yourself emotionally. And sorry, guys, but this is what you come into needing help on, right? Yes, I'm definitely two of those three. Well, yeah, and and women. <laughs> so women, it's the mental field because we get so uh, attached to the emotional body, and then we interpret things in a different way mentally instead of just being very logical left brain or right brain, right? We tend to muddy it, and so we all have our divisions easier. But um, so physical, emotional, mental, and you take these journeys and you dive and and you do a deep dive of yourself and understand who you are working through each of those things. And if you're going to choose to, to again, remain yeah, I think at this the is first also, level. I think this is probably one of the big disconnects between men and women too, is if you're looking at those three things, men are, I would say probably more traditionally physical and mental. And then women are generally more emotional and mental, right? So that's where you, you have a, a, a connection on, the mental component, whereas, but there's men generally are more physical and women are generally more emotional. And that's where the disconnect starts to happen between the two. So it's trying to bridge those gap or bridge that gap between those, those different criteria or categories as you're describing them. Yeah. And look at all of your partnerships out there, man on man, woman on woman, man and woman, whatever. And look how we partner with the opposite role that's reflecting one person's mental, one person's emotional, or if it's too emotional, look at how those relationships are so much different. Or if it's mental and mental, like anytime you talk about men, a men's locker room, right? Mm-hmm. Or women, I'm being so sexist right now. <laughs> I'm so, I'm, right? I know, right? <laughs> I just realized that it was like super, uh, whoa, <laughs> I was going to say women. And you going to say like Tupperware party well, or something? I, okay, I'm only saying this because of, <laughs> no, gosh, stop it. Uh, no, I was going to say spa because, but that's my history. I can get away with that, right? Because I grew up in the spa industry, but like just when women are together and men are together and, and the dynamic, right? Uh, mental role, mental role, emotional, emotional role and how that engages and how that, so interesting that if you want to see to a reflection in your external reality and how aligned you are in each of these bodies, because for me, I call these your different planes of awareness or your different bodies or your physical body, your emotional body and your mental body. And so a man in connection to another man, you know, and how those, how those relationships go and, 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 basically it's a reflection kind of of that mental field and then with women so a man with a woman or a woman with a woman again the external ex- or reflection of the emotional body and just yeah interesting. It, i think it too yeah it is really interesting in the idea of too how much effort and energy you want to put into particular relationships right if you're going to connect you know like say guys you know um, a male male relationship of friendship or whatever you're, you're going to connect in a very physical level and it's super easy right or women like we're just going to have a very emotional connection and it can be easy um, but when you start to mix those where it's like, okay i know i'm emotionally deficient and you maybe you are you know mentally deficient or something like that then it's, it's it takes a lot more work to make that relationship work so i think people can self-reflect and self-evaluate their yeah. own relationships through their life and say where am i not connecting with this person yeah. and and it, that is at the root of our issue yeah you know so and i think that couples do this a lot where you start to evaluate your own relationship and say, okay, we're connecting on this level, but we're not connecting on this level. How can we start to, to fix that or at least recognize it? I mean, recognition is step one. You know, if you can't recognize the issue, then you can't fix it. Yeah. And I think that's where if, if people who are going through these, you know, kind of to, to bring it back to the idea of this, the spiritual growth and awareness that couples have to go through at some point together as well. I mean, there has to be 
growth on both people. If they're going to work, you have to kind of do growth that. on both people. Now we're talking your physical body. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what I mean. But the idea is that you have to kind of evaluate the relationship as a whole and say, okay, well, I'm you know, for me personally, I am. You know, you would probably agree with this that I am which one? I'm emo- I'm which deficient? You're emotional. Yeah, I'm for emotional. Sure. For oh no, sure. not deficient. Yeah, emotional. I'm emotionally challenged. <laughs> But interesting because look at now your friendships and you can see because this is if you go to your male friendships, you can see where you require more emotional support from Mm -hmm. a certain friend. Sure. And you don't and you try very much to get an emotional connection with that friend and they're they're now playing out the deficient role. Mm -hmm. And so you can use any of these relationships outside of you, male or female, to see, okay, well, I'm the dominant one here and they're the less and then what's reflecting here and why. Right. And maybe it's just interesting because this is all about trusting. And I think, too, it's important to understand that even if you recognize it doesn't mean that you have to change it. Like, oh, I think no, this is does. something's No, 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 no. You're I'm going to disagree. If okay. you're recognizing it, if you're recognizing a pattern because here, okay, so if you're recognizing it and it's a pattern and the the relationship is not serving you okay, and you question and yes. you and you get charged. So okay, this is what we use here is charge, right? Okay, so that's but I, I again you Emotional mental charge. If you my, leave the relationship and you're thinking about that oh, I should have said this. Ooh, did I offend them by saying that? If you're in your mental field thinking about things or if you're in a, you're an emotional field, they triggered you into like anger sure, or but fear. What I, but what I was going to say is the idea that, yes, if I, even if I recognize that there's something not there and I then again, like we go back to the marriage situation, am I okay with that? Can I accept that? Can I still operate in this relationship and get some things that I need in order for it to continue as a friendship or as a relationship? I don't think you have to actively work to change every single thing in no, your relationship. You, you no, know, you never try and uh, detached <coughs> acceptance. You never try and change a relationship. You use everything you're gaining. Yeah, I, th- I think we're saying the same thing here. No. <laughs> Stop. Stop coloring in my circle. So you have to analyze what it is that's reflecting how you're interpreting that on a mental level, emotional level, or is it physically? <laughs> and then you choose, basically, is this what I want to be in resonance with? If you're yeah. leaving every relationship. Yeah, I know you're saying that's what I said. I, I'm just re- I'm, I'm rewording it in my fancy <laughs> okay. metaphysical words. Okay. I don't like your left brain words. <laughs> Too analytical. <laughs> so anyways, because this is the takeaway, right? It's start to look at every relationship and trust that every single relationship outside of you is reflecting to you a potential physical growth. <laughs> Sorry, back to your <laughs> slip. It's potentially reflecting an area where there's an ability to step out of the routine, step out of the pattern, step out of the way it's always been and shift yourself, which inevitably will then give the other person in the relationship a chance to say, Ooh, this person's changed. And then they get to decide, do I still want to be a part of this person's transformation? And this is where we get into the, do I stay or do I go now? Right? It's, it's if I'm going to shift so drastically because I see a pattern we're playing and the archetypal roles, you know, I'm playing mother, you're playing son, I'm playing the savior and you're playing the victim always, right? I mean, in our friendships, we can label most every friendship with something or is it that we're complete compatible, we fulfill each other on a very 
like meaningful level, right? And so if if you're playing out or if you could label somebody in a certain way, giving them that archetypal kind of name or uh, definition, I guess, because that makes it easier. If you could understand them in the archetypes that the two of you are playing out and then realize, ooh, I don't always want to save them. I don't always want to be the knight in shining armor to their yeah. situation. I think most people who are going through this process probably have to go through their relationships and start to evaluate. Are they meaningful or are they comfortable? And I think there's a difference between those two things. Meaningful is, is the idea that it's going to fulfill you somehow, some way. Comfortable means that it's just convenient and easy and you don't have to work at it. I think any real meaningful relationship is going to take some work. We as human beings, we like comfortable relationships, even if they're bad for us, because it's what we know. Um, so comfortability is something that I think human beings as a whole struggle with, just because it's easy. And we like to do things that are generally easy, whereas personal growth, relationship growth, marriage growth, you know, relations with children, friends, it's hard. And it's hard work and it's uncomfortable work and mm-hmm. that people generally want to stay away from that. So we'll purposely choose to ignore signs. We'll purposely choose to ignore situations just because it's easier. So we only have like five minutes and I want it because you're a teacher. I know you don't teach the grade I'm about to talk about, but it's okay. interesting because uh, my business partner and I just started teaching first through 12th grade with girl power and power empowerment whoa 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 girl programming empowerment type stuff blah 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 why can i say that right girl power girl empower pro- program girl power programming you got power in- <laughs> Ooh, okay. alliterations are hard today <laughs> and so um we just started teaching young girls through mm-hmm. yoga for mind body connection emotional connection and interesting because in psych- classical psychology and tell me if i'm wrong but third to kind of third to fifth grade is where kids start pulling away from their parents mm-hmm. as the number one um what would you say number one factor in, in- influence and they start now playing out the roles within their peers and it's so interesting because this is where you start to see bullying and the the kids are trying to take on archetypes they're trying now to figure out who am i with each of these roles because they know that they come from a parent a parental Mm -hmm. and child relationship and they're pulling away and now they're trying to self-identify who am I in this role? Am I am I the what the Am I the dominant? Am I the power? Yeah. Am I the a- any archetype, right? What sure. what am I gonna play to get what I want out mm-hmm. of this? And it's so interesting to see this in the developmental stage, and this is why yeah. we're doing this, is to basically give these girls, young girls at this age, a language to understand what they're going through in their physical, emotional, mental body. So we're there to assist them as they start to try and play out these roles, which we've had to do many times so far. But yeah, as, as kids move into elementary school, the, yeah, the number one influence on their personality starts to be their peers. I mean, that's who they spend the majority of their time with. That's who, you know, and that's a struggle for parents. And then parents really start to struggle with the idea that they have a diminishing impact on. Yeah. They're internalizing on, things on more. Not, Yeah. The you know. power's gone. <laughs> They've lost the power. Yeah. So I think it's, it's it's really cool what you guys are doing. I oh, wait, thank thing. you. You're welcome. Self-promotion. <laughs> I had wrote that down for him at the very end. Make sure to say. <laughs> but I'm amazing. Yeah. So <laughs> on that topic. <laughs> so anything else you need, of course, as always, I repost all of this on YouTube. If you want to see the smiling face of Dr. Roy, see the the, the smarter, the smarter smile. version of me, the more logical, smarter version of me in human terms anyways. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> my better half of the rainbow. I got a few more summits to, uh, uh, to, to climb. climb before I get to your level. By the way, Papa said that there's only one su- summit. He defined it for us. My dad texts the whole show. Summit definition is top, apex, yeah. especially the highest point, peak, plateau in the world. Well, yes. So that's why when you get to one summit, you think it's the top until you look up and you see the cloud cover just disappeared and you see there's another I, summit. I, I think there's multiple summits. I thought it. that, but I wasn't going to correct you. So I'm glad that you did. Shut your face. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Anyways, so download the app, the Chakra Deck app. There's so much good information there. There's meditations, classes. If you want to find the summit, not the peak, find the summit, not the plateau. We just we just climb different mountains. So there's Stop multiple summits. It. So I'm trying to help. I'm you trying out here. to self promote right now. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, okay. Well, if you want to be a part of Johnny's world, make sure to to register your kid into a school <laughs> in his district, <laughs> <laughs> and he'll influence them in his beautiful way, being the king of his domain there in that high school setting. Um, and then. For myself, again, we love you so much here from Karma and so thrilled that you decide to join us every Friday at 11 a.m. It is getting cold here in Ohio. So fall is coming. Fall is winter is coming. So wrap up uh, and stay connected. Send us anything you need or want for topics, episodes. If you want to hear more of Johnny, I'll try and get him to quit his career. Career, so he can come on on Fridays. Start a petition, get some Start signatures. Petition. To <laughs> Let's get on maybe the radio. She'll book me more. There we go. All right, with light and love, everybody have a great rest of your Friday and a good weekend. The Wellness Hour with Genesee on Karma Radio every Friday at 11 a.m.